Finance has a responsibility in society. Finance is not a normal business. Uh, financial institutions are intermediaries. And we will not address the challenges we face, the social, the ecological challenge, without finance. Welcome to the Next Gen Banker podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and talk with the innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. We are your hosts, Becca Heft and Brian Toft, and are excited to welcome Katrin Koffer. Brian and I had the privilege to be taught by Katrin in a leadership program. Um, man, it's been like I went in 2019. And when did you attend the program, Brian? Uh, mine was last year, so during the pandemic. Okay. So, Katrin, I know we're both super excited to have you join us today. Thank you for being on the podcast. It's wonderful to be here, and it's so wonderful to see the two of you again. Likewise. It's good to see you. It's been too long since the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's start with a little background on Katrin. So Katrin is a research affiliate at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, or MIT. She is the director of the Just Money program at MIT's Community Innovators Lab. She's also co-founder and executive director of the Presencing Institute at MIT. She's co-authored two books, including Just Money, Mission-Driven Banks, and the Future of Finance, which we'll be talking a little bit about today. And she is also the co-founder of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values Leadership Academy, which Becca just referenced, we have both attended. So we're excited to talk about all those things today. Yeah, so before we get started, I just wanted to remind listeners to stick around for our musical feature at the end of the podcast. Each Next Gen Banker podcast showcases one musical artist from somewhere around the globe representing a wide range of genres. Before we get started, you know, Brian, you said something that uh, triggered a thought here of Katrin. Um, she's the co-founder of the GABV Leadership Academy. I don't think I knew that. And I'm really curious, like, how did you, like, how did you even get started in all of this? Like, like mission, values-based banking, and then you're, you're building this leadership program for bankers like Brian and I, how did how did like did you grow up wanting to do this? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to study um language and write novels like all of us. No, um I thought I had two thoughts. One, I thought as a woman I need to understand finance. And the second mm. thought I had was to address the challenges we face in society, we need to change our monetary system. So these were my two kickoffs into my um, educational journey. And then I first worked in a bank and then I did studied economics and did a PhD on the topic of values-based banking. That's quite some time ago and nobody was interested in that. So. I thought, um, okay, um, and then I thought, if I want to change society, if I want to address the challenges, maybe I need to learn more about change. So um, I did a, got a postdoc stipend to um, work for a year at the MIT Organizational Learning Center, where we talked about um, learning, change, leadership, and um, there I worked with a team where we started, especially with Otto Sharma, where we um, started um, to explore the question, you know, learning is 
usually it's called the cope learning cycle. So that's a you know traditional learning theory where you usually look back at you know what happened in the past, how do I improve it, and that's my way forward. And we ask the question: if the future is completely different from the past, how do you learn? You know, how do you learn in moments where things are so disruptive that your experience of the past doesn't help you anymore? And so I had these two pieces in my hand, my whole banking experience and values-based banking experience and the leadership experience. And then um, I was, um, I actually did my PhD in South Shore Bank in Chicago, which was one of the founding banks. I did not know that. Did you know I'm from the south side of Chicago? Exactly. I traveled yes. during my PhD and that's... <gasps> so, and yeah. South Shore, they're like one of the first mission-based banks in the U.S., right? Exactly. And Southern okay. Bank Corps in Mississippi and Arkansas is um, modeled after that. So, um, yeah, so then they knew me and Triodos and GLS, all these German and European banks knew me. And then when they start thinking about starting the global alliance for banking on values, they reached out and that's how the whole thing started. Wow. Wow. I did not know that story. Thanks for sharing. Um, I know you've done a lot of work at MIT so how would you describe how you're helping the next generation just learn about the future of finance through the Just Money program and the Presencing Institute that Brian referenced earlier? I think there's a lot of angst around money money and finance and, you know, because it can be really complex. But um, one of my um, inspirations that probably both of you know uh, Tamara Roman, who used to be the CEO of Van City Credit Union, the largest credit union in Canada. She once said, you know, the way, you know, the decision on finance, what we finance, what we not finance, who receives capital, who doesn't receive capital, is basically writing the story of our future. And that's the purpose of my work at MIT, that um, for students, but also for the general audience, I want to make finance accessible to, you know, give people the aware, also to increase awareness about um, how important finance is. So at MIT, we run a free um, massive online course that's called Just Money, Banking as if Society Mattered. So everybody can just go there and um, see, you know, watch some case studies on values-based banking, explore some concepts, because at the end of the day, everybody is a banker. Everybody has money and everybody invests or uses banks. So um, that's the core idea. I, I deeply believe we cannot address the challenges we face without the financial sector. So it's it's a leverage point. And um, that's where I see my, my role. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. 
Yeah, really, we believe uh, money is a catalyst for change. And um, in your latest book, Just Money, Mission-Driven Banks and the Future of Finance, which I love the double meaning of that. You talk about the just money where it's, hey, it's just money, but also just as in fairness, right? And so um, you take readers on a kind of a global tour of these different financial institutions throughout the world and what they're doing to work on a better future, as you just mentioned. How what are some of the stories from that or how are you how did you see money and banking being used for good today? It's obviously a topic that we're interested here at in here at Sunrise and think a lot about banking on values and banking for good. What did you learn when you were writing the book? Um, first, the first thing I learned is um, as long as we've had a monetary system, there were attempts to um, yeah, impact to to combine impact and finance or impact and the monetary system. Those is, I mean, in all monetaristic religions, for example, there are you know some restrictions on finance, and um, there you know there's this credit union his, history. Um, there's this history of cooperative banks, um, the impact investment history, ESG. So you know the, the story of trying to connect finance and impact is is long and um what i've i've seen is actually that um there's a paradigm shift that's happening so since the financial crisis of 0708 this idea that finance is not neutral but that finance actually creates an impact um has moved into the mainstream and Unfortunately, what we are seeing is that there's not a deep understanding of what that actually means. And we see a lot of add-on small projects that are green and social. And I think what you guys are doing and a lot of banks in the GABV are doing is to move this idea of impact into the core of the business model. And that's where I see the biggest distinction. Is this a nice add-on, a little bit, you know, actually greenwashing here and there? recycled paper, a community project, or is it core to your business? Do you make money with this? And the moment you shift towards core of the business, you have a completely different relationship to your customers. Customers come because of it. And you also um, have a different requ- have different requirements, for example, in regard to transparency. So you have to communicate differently. So the, this is the biggest shift. And then, you know, there are two additional smaller shifts that I see, which is one, a lot of banks that um, operate on impact are smaller banks. So in order to increase their impact, what I'm seeing is that they operate more and more strategically. For example, you're trying to go, you know, with um, Sunrise, you know, the fintech is, is your one of your focus areas. Um, Southern Bancor, it's it's really about job creation and um, the social aspect and um, um, addressing um, multi-generational poverty is is a focus. So so banks start to think more strategically. Where do I? What's my acupuncture point in in all of that? And the latest development that I'm have been seeing in the last three, four years is that a lot of banks in this alliance move more towards a systems perspective. So they're not just financing trans, a transaction, one client and us, 
but they realized we need several people at the table to to, to finance a solution. For example, Triodos Bank uh, in the UK um, trying to find solutions um, against flooding issues, putting municipalities, um, insurance companies, house owners at a table, developing a financial product around that. And, and that's a different approach, a multi-stakeholder approach. That's really, really interesting. Um, you know, and I see, you know, if I if I look back at um, the experience that I had at through the GABV Leadership Academy that we were talking about earlier, what's been really great is being able to connect with other banks around the world and ping them and ask them, how, how are you working on on this problem and how can I learn from you? And in fact, it makes me think about, um, it makes me think of something, a statement that was said during the Leadership Academy, which for me, it was pre-pandemic. It was very much an immersive experience um, in different parts of the world. And there was a statement made around being, um, be interested, not interesting. And I will tell you that has impacted me so much in how I lead as a leader, but it also, it speaks to the concept that I learned in the academy around ecosystem versus ecosystem. And Brian, I know you, you've went through the leadership academy as well. I'm curious, what was your favorite learning? Yeah, it is hard to pick one. Uh, one thing that came to mind when you were talking, Katrin, was um, GLS Bank. I believe that they, when they're looking at a loan request, they don't just look at the credit repayment history like you know a traditional bank would do. They also look at, well, how does this impact the environment? And how does this impact the people that are going to be affected by this loan? And so there, there are things that I was able to learn by talking to all these other banks and how they look at finance. And it's not just you know, the traditional, how are we going to make money at this and are we going to get repaid? But it's how are we actually going to make a difference? goes back to what you said at the very beginning of we want to make sure that the loans are making our catalyst for change in the future we want to see. And what is the? how are we going to deploy this capital to the future that we want to see? Are we doing it and it's detracting from that future and we're just doing it to make a buck? Or are we doing it because it's actually going to improve the surrounding, whether it's environment, community, However you look at the world, I think that's the most important thing that I learned was there's so many different ways to look at a loan or a banking or a financial service. It's not just the one way that most bankers were taught when they grew up. De definitely. And um, the bank you were quoting, um, GLS Bank, the, recently, they, they, recently they stepped even into a next level of this. Um, they... Um, created a new form of impact assessment in their bank where they, um, in, for example, in regard to renewable energy, they're not just saying, oh, everything we do is renewable energy finance, but they say what they're located in Germany, what does what's needed, what needs finance so that Germany can shift to net zero by day X. So this is what we finance. So they focus and, and I think that's a really interesting approach. So it's taking a systems perspective, Germany as a whole, net zero, 
now this is our goal and this directs our fin uh, finance decisions, um, assessments decisions of um, loan applications. So, and um, also touching on, on the point, Becca, that, that you mentioned, um, ego to eco, um, I think this is something that's happening now. I talked earlier about there is, a, I think we are in a moment of a paradigm shift and, and, you know, traditional economic theory, and I don't want to be too academic here, but basically says, okay, there's a market, there's a price, we optimize, we optimize and then everything will be perfect. Obviously that failed. And um, so what we are seeing and we see this in the U.S., for example, with the recent Supreme Court decisions that businesses stop being neutral. So businesses start taking a stand. We will um, support voting rights, for example, or we will no longer do businesses business in Russia. So... Um, we can't work with um, child labor. So, so there's suddenly a shift where this, oh, we are neutral, we are just following one guideline. This paradigm comes to an end. But I think what's staying is this entrepreneurial piece. You know, it, it is our ego that's creative and it is our ego that comes up with new idea and that's entrepreneurial. So I think what's happening here is that our ego becomes wider. So it's almost like an awareness shift. Yes, I want to make money. Yes, I want to be a successful business, but I don't want to destroy the planet while doing it. So how can I combine these? And, and I think it's simply a shift in awareness. I keep my creativity, my entrepreneurial spirit, but at the same time, I have a broader awareness about impact. And I think this is a paradigm shift that's happening right now where we don't have a name for and that we describe as ego to eco thinking. Yeah, you mentioned before about the authenticity of someone's purpose. Maybe it's a CEO or owner of a bank or the leadership of a bank that is being authentic in their purpose and what they're driving towards. And that that could be, let's say it's climate, for example, and they're passionate about climate and they're going to make their decisions based on climate. That's going to attract certain customers and it's potentially going to repel other customers. But at least that mission and that passion is authentic and that's going to propel that business forward. I think that's what we've seen. Um, going back to the Leadership Academy just for a second, um, as one of the co-founders and, and one of the main instructors, um, what when you think about the Leadership Academy and training this next generation of banker uh, and training leaders from all across the world, what is your hope and aspiration for the program and some of those leaders? What are you looking to do with this uh, with this program? What kinds of lessons are you hoping to teach? So, so the starting point of this was the recognition that a lot of these values-based banks are smaller and it's hard for them to create a learning path for their leaders and there are succession issues. And so we wanted to create something um, that um, addresses this. At the same time, I'm convinced that when you, you know, you are an innovator in the field, you're always a little bit at the margins. The news doesn't start in the middle of something, you know, not in the middle of the organization and not in the middle of a sector. 
So to create a network and a community of banks that are actually um, doing things differently and are innovating and rethinking, I think is, is really essential. So that was one starting point. And the second starting point was um, my work at MIT. So I've learned that um, you cannot develop a leader. A leader has to develop themselves. And um, that requires to create a space for a leader, a young leader, high potential, to step into their potential. So, um, and, and that's what we are trying to do in the Leadership Academy. So we, we are trying to create a, a community of innovative leaders and at the same time to create a space for, for leaders, for folks with high potential to find their own potential and to explore that and step into this. And then supporting, we're supporting these leaders with um, tools and methods but at the end of the day, it's um, allowing them to ask the question, um, what's my potential? What's my work with a um, capital W? And um, who am I as a leader? What's my intention? So, Katrine, I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners are going to be interested if um, in this program. Is this something that anyone can apply to or do their bank have to be part of the Global Alliance for Banking and Values? In um, each program, we reserve a few seats for um, non-member banks, and um, we've had usually two, three non-member banks each year in the program. Yeah, Great. And so if you're interested in learning more, check out gabv.org, and you can uh, find more information about the Leadership Academy that Brian and I went to. Um, that Katrin leads. And so, you know, I have to admit, I, I would like to think that the class of 2019 was your favorite cohort. And I'm sure Brian thought the same thing. Do you have a favorite story from any of the classes that you've taught or any of the cohorts? I mean, tons of favorite stories, but um, maybe one comes to mind at the moment, which yeah, I, I just share it. It's, so we were talking about um, financing child labor or not and how to identify that. And um, and then we had one participant from a bank in Africa, and he then said, if I hadn't had the opportunity to work as a child, I wouldn't sit here. And that's that was really powerful. That doesn't mean we support child labor, but... I think what it did was it made us realize when you um, bank with impact, um, things become complex and that's part of it. So you have to put yourself into the shoes of um, those you finance. So there is a certain complexity that we as you know bankers often like to ignore you know money so money is you know something that makes it so easy to be abstract so money is in a way too efficient for us human beings it can race around the world in seconds and 
and and I think there is a systemic issue with finance to disconnect from our communities. So what values-based banking really means is to um, step into the customers, into the client's perspective, and to um, also accept, you know, nothing is perfect, but um, that's what we have to learn in this next phase of you know, our economic development. As someone who is thinking about banking, written books on banking, degrees in values-based banking, I'm interested to know, it's kind of an interesting, Becca and I talk about it on this podcast, a very interesting time to be a part of financial services with fintech and cryptocurrencies. And I'm curious your thoughts, uh, you know, if we have an audience that has some bankers, some entrepreneurs, where do you think banking is headed? Uh, it could be fintech you could touch on, it could be cryptocurrency you could touch on. Just curious as someone that's in the space and thinking about the space a lot, where do you see it going? Um, I definitely think banking is changing radically. So we see these high investments in fintechs since I would say the, I mean, we always knew that was happening. I think the last three years really showed an acceleration. So um, I, I definitely believe that um, this will have a huge impact on the classical way of how we um, operate. But I think you also probably also um, that the Deutsche Bank in Frankfurt got raided three weeks ago because of greenwashing. And um, so I think that's the second development that um, this idea that you just make up impact and pretend, you know, put some nice labels on, on, on things is coming to an end. And customers, but also auditors, um, are now more seriously looking into what are you actually doing with the money. So I think um, fintech is a huge movement at the same time, this um, development towards transparency um, and understanding what really happens with, the mo with money and investments is, um, is accelerating. So I would you know, describe these two developments as, as dominant. The whole cryptocurrency piece, I honestly, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know, but at the end of the day, I think it will come through either the state or, or through Amazon. Amazon already developed a system. If Amazon gives every customer, whatever, 500 Amazon points or whatever, it, it, it has created immediately a global bank. So that's, you know, what I'm watching at the moment. Well, Katrin, I am so excited that you were able to join us today. We always leave our guests with the same last question. And so that question is, um, what do you think the next gen banker looks like? Um, I think I'll need to express a hope here which is finance has an ex, has a responsibility in society. Finance is not a normal business. Financial institutions are intermediaries. And um, we will not address the challenges we face, the social, the ecological challenge without finance. And what I think is happening that bankers don't want to go to work and... Um, 
um, not, you know, without this awareness of the, the, the impact they can create and the opportunity they have to be part of the solution. And I think that's that's what I'm seeing. Well, thank you so much for everything you're doing and for teaching us both in the Leadership Academy and for sharing your insights with us today. Uh, we really appreciate you being with us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for having having me. And um, I love the work you're doing and support it wherever I can. Thanks. Thank you. And likewise, you taught us. <laughs> okay, now we stop here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Katrin. Thanks so much. For this episode's musical feature, we're showcasing All Right Ears, a collaboration between Josiah Prince and Dane Allen. All Right Ears is a guitar-driven group inspired by the youthful energy of 2000s pop rock. Here is Something I Can Dance To by All Right Ears. Something I Can Dance To by All Right Years. Find more of the band's music on Spotify. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Banker podcast, just email david at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you next time.